Hey everyone, welcome back to Newsies Minute. The podcast where we analyze the 1992 Disney movie musical Newsies, one minute at a time. I'm your co-host Aaron. I'm your co-host James. We're at minute 62. I believe this begins with our first King of New York. I think so. I think Racetrack and Jack singing I'm the King of New York. Yeah. I think it's the first time that they they sing it. Um, and it goes on through sometime in the middle of a tabletop tap dance. Yeah, yeah. Um... I, I like that. I, I'm happy that they didn't make the entire choreography of this song centered around the newspaper, mm-hmm. like the the actual paper. Yeah, it was a good prop for a bit, but you know, yeah, you can't dance on a table with a paper all the time. You can't. That's you know, that's what they always used to tell us in school. Have I told you about the time that I had to do a dance routine to this song? Uh, no, no. Okay, so in middle school, I did this. I believe it was the summer after seventh grade. Might have been the summer after sixth grade. Don't remember exactly. But in middle school, I did this like two-week summer drama camp. Okay. And it was drama camp. And so the whole idea was that we were going to write and perform original scenes. Okay. As like the finale, like end of camp production that we would put on for the parents. Like a review sort of deal. Yes. So the good news is... That got scrapped uh-huh. because that would have been very bad. Two weeks is a not a lot of time for that kind of thing. Correct. <laughs> the bad news is they decided to just have us perform a choreographed dance to King of New York. There were like probably 30 kids in this thing. And given that this was, there was a singing camp and there was a dancing camp. So I'm not quite sure why they decided to have us perform a dance while lip syncing to mm-hmm. the Newsy soundtrack. Oh, Okay. I guess just this song. But yeah, so I had, that's why I had a Newsies outfit. Oh. Um, in high school is because in middle school, I had had to get one for this per- this performance. That's so wild. What? It was ve- it was very, very weird. Was that like a committee decision or some one person being like? It was like a couple of the popular kids were like, we should do this instead. And they went and asked the teachers if they could choreograph it. And the teachers were like, hey, that's less work for us. I guess so. Sure. <laughs> it's the only logic I can think of yeah. because it doesn't make any sense otherwise. That I mean, what a wild song to pick. I mean, it it's a pretty quick song, like, you know, fast paced. So mm-hmm. like the dancing is going to have to be pretty. And the temptation to put out a bunch of tables is just really, really. We had a ladder. Yeah. There was a ladder. And that was it. <laughs> anyway, I have some notes. Okay. Les's line in this movie yeah. is a mezzanine seat to see the flickers. Would, what you got for me, James? Because well, I guarantee, because I, I, I'm fairly certain that you probably researched whether or not movies existed at this point. During the 1890s, films? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they existed. Okay. Um, it says during the 1890s, films became several minutes long. So I think they were more of like a 1870s, 1880s invention. Okay. Uh, but it was actually during the 1890s that they actually made them cool at all okay um it says uh they started to uh become several minutes long and have actually more than one shot okay before then it was sort of like wouldn't it be crazy if you could wash watch some lady washing dishes and she isn't even there washing dishes but that's it (laughs) (laughs) um so uh the first rotating camera for taking panning shots was built in 1898 Okay. Um, and then it says special effects were introduced and film continuity involving action moving from one sequence into another started being used. Um, there's a cool book that I read. I think it's called American Lightning. That's basically about this. It's okay. about like 
people who were doing like plays and 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 like stuff in New York being like, okay, I guess everyone's going to California to do. I think they're calling them movies. I'm not really <laughs> sure. Um, and like talking about how like there was this guy who was like, um, no, we're gonna do New York. We're gonna do movies in New York. And it was right around all this time. And like, okay. he eventually did go to <laughs> California. <laughs> California, sure. yeah, um, because it was open. There was literally no one there and, uh, you know, laws and stuff were yeah. lax. Anyways, uh, it says in the 1890s, um, films were seen mostly via temporary storefront spaces and traveling exhibitors or as acts in vaudeville programs. So that sort of makes me wonder about, like, how much of this is a fantasy of lesses versus, like, could you actually... Because, like, a vaudeville program, okay, you could have a mezzanine seat at a vaudeville program in which they show a sure. flicker. But... Um, it says a film could be under a minute long and we usually present a single scene, authentic or staged, of everyday life. This is the 1890s, so like as the decade wore on, they got better about this. Um, it uh, a, um, a single scene, authentic or staged, of everyday life, a public event, a sporting event, or slapstick. There was little to no cinematic technique. The film was usually black and white and it was without sound. It was, They didn't do sound. Like, if you think about movies starting in like 18... Let's even say 85 or whatever. Uh-huh. Sound was like 30 or 40 years away. That's a long time yeah, to watch well, silent movies. And that's part of why I was wondering yeah. if movies even existed. Yeah. Because, I mean, talkies came into being in what, like the 20s? Yeah, like the early 20s. Like yeah. the early 20s. And so I was thinking that we were still a good 10 years out right. after Newsies right. from silent films starting to be a thing that you could see. Right. Um, would you like to know the films released in 1899? Sure. Okay, because I have them all right here. Because... How many are uh, we talking? Like, like, ten. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The release schedule was a lot freer back then. <laughs> also, most of these were by one dude. Okay. Like, there was one guy that was like, oh, I put out nine movies this year. What'd you put out? What's a movie? Is the... <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, uh, The Biter Bit, uh, Cinderella... By okay. Georges Millier. Millier. Uh, that's the guy. He, okay. did, he did a bunch of this. Uh, Cripple Creek Barroom Scene is the name of the next one. The Devil in a Convent by Georges Millier. Um, the Dreyfus Affair, a series of docudramas by that same Georges Millier. Mm-hmm. My favorite title of the year, How Would You Like to Be the Iceman? <laughs> I... <laughs> I don't know. I've never really put much thought into it, Georges Millier. Uh, I don't know that that was him, oh, okay. but it feels fairly likely. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I clicked on it because it's linked, and it was just like, this was a comedy short, silent movie. I was like, this doesn't need to be a link. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, the Jeffrey's Sharky Fight. It says, a documentary that is in all likelihood lost, running over two hours. Whoa. This is one of the oldest feature films. So that's a long, long movie. For nowadays? Yeah. And back in the day, they must have thought, like, what is happening? Do we live here now? Um, yeah. King John, uh, directed by William K. L. Dixon and Walter Pfeffer Dando. Some amazing names. It says, maybe the first film adaptation of a, G- a William Shakespeare play. Oh, okay. Um, the Kiss in the Tunnel, directed by George Albert Smith, has been cited as cinema's first example of narrative narrative editing. Okay. Uh, which is cool. Major Wilson's Last Stand. And robbing Cleopatra's tomb, directed by Georges Millier, All right. uh, most likely a lost film. So okay. it was 
all over the place. I mean, I guess we're still sort of all over the place in terms of movies, but like, I think about like, well, I've seen all the movies that are out. Yeah. I, I saw them. They're done. I've seen them all. <laughs> yeah. And they were, and most of them, except for that one, was like, you know, like three or four minutes. <laughs> yeah. But That's I think wild. like Nickelodeons, like where you put the quarter in and mm-hmm. it's, it's basically like that, I think were sort of almost a thing. Okay. Because those were like, portable movies sort yeah. of deal. But yeah, it sounds like if they had the technology, they were doing it back in the 1890s. So, but I think sort of like how we talked yesterday about the archetypical mayor's daughter. Yeah. I like to think that maybe, I think that this is not like, boy, I sure would like to have enough money to have this thing that exists. Right. But rather, this is what I would like to have if I'm just blue skying like whatever I can sure. think of. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be. And also it rhymed. Sure, absolutely. It rhymed and had the right cadence. The subtext of all of this is that it rhymes. Yeah. Um, Would you like to know about Havana cigars? Yeah. Tell me about some Havana cigars. Did they cost a quarter? Um, I don't know. (laughs) Okay. So uh, what else do you have? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What I did did find was a website that talked about how much Havana cigars cost today. Okay. So what I did was find how much a quarter... In 1899 would be now. Wow, James. Yeah, which is about 771. Okay. Um, and the website I saw basically said if you go, so basically, um, in 1962, America put an embargo on on Cuba, mm-hmm. which was we're not buying from you, we're not selling to you, you're dead to us, we're ghosting you. Sure. And then in 2014, Obama was like, yeah, that's done. Also, uh, you can buy, you can bring back Havana cigars. That's fine. Also, if you bring back Havana cigars from other places, that's cool too. I just want my cigars. Okay. I think basically was the was the context of that. Okay. Um so the website was basically like so what that means is that it matters where you get it from. Basically the tax that the country puts on it determines the rate. Okay. Um but there's a range. Basically if you get them in Cuba, mm-hmm. they cost about 8 bucks. Okay. So that's like the same. Yeah. The author said that they had seen a high-end Cuban cigar go for $38 in Vancouver. Yikes. So don't buy in Vancouver. Uh, the take-home of the thing was, if you can't buy in Cuba, buy in Spain was the was the answer. You can get it for like 15 bucks. Okay. So I don't know. So no, I don't know. I mean, then you have to fly to Spain. So it might right. actually be cheaper to buy in Vancouver. There was a, there was a part about online ordering and stuff um, that you could do. I think you can order from other countries... Via the internet, and then it's cool if they ship them to you. Okay. Um. So I guess that's what you do, but I don't know what shipping from Spain is like. I didn't do that much research. Yeah. But so I don't know if Snipe Shooter is saying... I think it's funny that Snipe Shooter is fantasizing about cigars, by the way, given how this movie starts. Yes. Also, is that still Racetrack? Doesn't he have a cigar while he's, like, leaning forward? Yeah. Is that still Racetrack cigar? Or Probably. <laughs> did Racetrack steal another, and then Snipe Shooter stole that one as well? It's hard to say because this is a few days right. since carrying the banner. Right. So, but yeah, maybe I don't know. maybe snipe shooters like Will Smith and he he doesn't ever light it. It's for the look. He just bites it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe does um, Will Smith do that? There's a line in I think it's Miami where he's like, a, a, oh, he talked about a Cuba Cuban cigar. Okay, and he said um, it's for the look. I just bite it. I don't light it. The way that okay. he says it, uh, well, rhymes better and sounds better. Uh, then I'm saying it now. Sure, but of course. The idea is it's Will Smith, right? Exactly. The greatest rapper of all time. Yep. <laughs> okay. 
All right, this is a silly podcast. I just feel like everything Will Smith does is cooler he, than most of what anybody else does. He's he's pretty dang cool. Um, he's cooler than me. I feel like this is a trap, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I don't know if Snipe Shooter is saying, "Boy, wouldn't it be nice to have a Cuban cigar that only costs a quarter, or a Cuban cigar that costs like a expensive I think that one?" Because like. As we've established previously on the show, a quarter buys you fifty papes. Yeah. So that's a lot of that's a that's a lot of dang money yeah. for a cigar. So like he must be being like, I want a really expensive cigar. Yeah. Yeah. So especially because this is kind of like the the pie in the sky. Right. Everybody shooting for the stars. Although it does start out with, you know, I want a pair of new boots with matching laces. Right. And like Boots wants a corduroy suit with fitted knickers. I mean, which, like I get it. I mean, it. that's a fashion choice, <laughs> right? Is what that is. I wonder if I wonder if the implication is that Boots gets a lot of like hand me downs. That's probably like, true. For once in my life, I would love if my underwear fit. Wouldn't it be great if I could just <laughs> get some underwear that? Well, I think fit by my fitted knickers, body? it's more like the like the um not like underwear, but like the like knickerbocker shorts. Yeah, like the little kind of capris that boys wore in this time they i mean not capris but like the, no no the, no yeah news yeah, newsboy shorts yeah. I, I gotcha yeah yeah they called them knickers for the rhyme i mean they, they called them knickers for the rhyme that's i think knickers re- refers can refer to both both underwear and those that style of pants i think i think he, he's pretty probably just means like you said you know i would love like a nice outfit yeah that is co- like that matches itself and fits plus corduroy uh breeze a little better so for like the summer what if he has like a wool yeah oof yeah yikes and spot just wants a bath he, he just wants a bath and everyone he, re- he lives by the river he's the cleanest of all of them he yeah he he he, he can have a bath I mean, like, I know but he wants, he wants a, a hot bath. He wants a hot bath. Yeah. That's true. Probably yeah. because he lives by the river. Probably. <laughs> My other note, other than what I mentioned yesterday about David singing in his fake newsy accent, now SMH. I actually wrote SMH. Uh-huh. Um, I'm so charmed by the fact that this song suddenly just becomes about Denton. Like, yeah. the boys are doing gratitudes. They are doing gratitudes, which when you hear this will be... So a fun, long past uh, yeah, a the fun day that, old finish it reference. Unless gratitudes is a thing that finish it right. decides to continue doing on the regular. Yeah, but it could I mean maybe gratitudes is just a, a you know a new thing now. Yeah, but like I, I just I find it charming that they're all like you know, man, look at me in the newspaper. I'm gonna be famous. I want all this stuff. Yeah, and it's all because of you, Denton. Thank yeah. you, Denton, for getting me in the newspaper and making us famous and just being such a good friend and buying us lunch. We have been so hungry. We haven't eaten in weeks. Klopman doesn't Thank buy us lunch Denton. ever. <laughs> Klopman probably doesn't buy them lunch ever. Um, right. They just have to get free bread from the nuns. Right, exactly. I always think David is talking about himself until oh, I realize he's talking about Denton. An editor's like, desk for the Star Reporter. Me, David. <laughs> He is, I think he is a little bit. I th- yeah. I think he's like the star reporter. Oh, Denton, didn't see you there. Just singing about you, bud. Yeah, yeah. Aw. <laughs> yeah, that's one of David's like weird, awkward. Yeah. David has a lot of weird, awkward in this movie. He and sure it's becoming does. more and more apparent to me the more I watch it in this format. Yeah. The I'm- episode that I'm editing right now um, is we we talk about some of the acting choices 
that David Moscow makes. And it makes me feel really bad because it's not that I don't think David Moscow is a good actor. Yeah. It's just that, like, yikes, he was not given much to work with. And he tried to just do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes across as just like the most awkward human ever. <laughs> and I, I like to think that that he had a huge backstory about why David is the most awkward human ever. Because he was not actually human. Oh. Oh. Cyborg. Robot. Yeah. Nice. Android is the word I was looking for, not cyborg. He's an android. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, I think I had a note to look up and research Trenton. Okay. I, I didn't I didn't end up doing that. Oh, okay. It's not in it's New York City. in New Jersey. It's weird that, I mean, I, I again, I know it's for the rhyme with Denton. Sure. But it's sort of like, I don't think his beat is going to be Brooklyn to Trenton, because that's a huge swath of land, my friends. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you never know. Yeah, maybe it refers. It probably refers to some obscure movement to try and get New Jersey to be the sixth borough. Probably. The you know like how the Newsies writers were like in deep in the archives, making sure that all the references were right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this week that gets thrown out the window. Yeah. They've been doing so great. And boy, there's a there's a big honking one coming up this week. I'm really excited about it. I mean, it's possible that you know his beat may not be right. Brooklyn to Trenton, but it's possible. It's theoretically possible that people in Trenton could get the New York Sun. Yeah. So. And they probably like it because the Star Reporter um, Denton, his name rhymes with their city name. Exactly. You always want to have a. Uh, a writer that that writes for your paper that rhymes with your uh, rhymes with your your town name. Yeah, that's why I like to read Steve Friesberg. Uh huh. I was gonna say Beesberg. Uh huh. Oh, he's good too. Not as good as Friesberg. No, but I mean, like it's sort of like a rivalry, like a Superman Batman thing. Yeah. In that they both fight crime. Yes. Well, and have man in their name. Uh huh. Although in this case, it's Eesberg. Uh huh. That they have in their name. Right. Welp. <laughs> This episode has gone great, but it is time to wrap it up. Yes, we've been tap dancing uh, furiously, but now it's time to uh, jump off the table. So comfort. No, I'm joking. We (laughs) We have to do social media, James. (laughs) We have a Twitter called at Newsies Minute. That's what we call it. It is called that. We also have individual Twitters. Mine is called at Unabashedly Aaron. Mine likes to go by the handle at Unabashed James. And... We have a Patreon, which we call patreon.com slash Aaron and James. If you would like to financially support the show, that is where you can do so. When historians pinpoint when we lost our minds on this podcast. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It's this one. It's this one. We found it. Flag. Yep. (laughs) So we have one more day of this song, I think. Yes. And then... uh, and then we're going to move on a little bit, but uh, this week is going... I'm, I'm really, I was really excited to watch this week. Yeah, it was really this good. was a good week. Yeah. But until we do some a little bit more table dancing... Soak them for crutchy. Soak those tables. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.